Welcome to Pushing the Limits, the show that helps you reach your full potential with your host, Lisa Tarmati, brought to you by lisatarmati.com. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Pushing the Limits. Today, I have a good friend uh, and longtime athlete of Running Hot Coaching, Hazel Harrison. And Hazel has just come back from the Marathon Sub which is a famous, famous race. If you don't know, this is an ultra marathon that goes through Morocco, the Moroccan Sahara, 240-odd kilometers. And Hazel's just come back from that, um, doing it tough during the pandemic, obviously, getting there. So we share uh, Hazel's journey and contemplate a little bit what it's like to do something like this. So I hope you enjoy this conversation with the amazing Hazel Harrison. Before we head over to the show, just a reminder you to check out our epigenetics program. Hazel actually did the epigenetics with us as part of her build-up. This is all about understanding your own genetics and how to optimize your environment for those genes. So epi means above, and that means what actually influences your genes. Your genes are not a deterministic feature, as you would have heard me say if you'd listened to the episode with Dr. Bruce Lipton, who is the father of epigenetics, really. Um, It's all about helping the genes be and express themselves in their optimal way with the right food, the right exercise, the right timings, the right hormonal balance, the right education as far as what, how your brain works and so on and so forth. It's really like getting a user manual for your own body. So check it out on lisatamati.com. Head over to the work with us button and you'll see our program, our peak epigenetics program. Right, I hope you enjoy the show with Hazel Harrison. If you're a runner, you'll really get something out of this. And now over to the show. Well, hey, everyone, and welcome to Pushing the Limits. Today, I have a good friend and crazy athlete, Hazel Harrison, with me. Hazel, welcome to the show, mate. Hey, thanks, Lisa. <laughs> it's so cool to have you. We've sort of been working on and off together for a number of years with uh, you and Neil and me. And, um, you know, I've, I've really love and respect what you do. You're amazing. Um, and recently you had the, oh, God, I was jealous too. The, you know, you had the, the incredible opportunity to go and do the Marathon de Sables. So we're going to talk about that today. So yeah, welcome Hazel and um, tell us a little bit about yourself before we get on to the exciting stuff you've just been up to. <laughs> All right. Um, well, I'm, I'm the wrong side of 50. I'm 56, <laughs> crazy runner, um, businesswoman um, and yeah, ex-army. So I put all those together and I suppose you've, you know, you've got a bit of a, a bit of a nutter there. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, I'm, that's about it really for me. I think, you know, um, yeah, I'm, I'm a businesswoman and a runner. That's how I identify. Yeah. Yeah. So what sort of business do you run? Um, so I run a um, doggy daycare. Um, mm-hmm. So k- kindy for dogs. Um, and I'm also. <laughs> keep you busy. A, absolutely. And I'm a, um, a business coach and I'm also a run coach as well. Yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. And you're, um, you've, you've, you're a, an extremely driven and amazingly focused person. So if I put people in the picture of this journey that we've been on to get you to the mm. marathon to Sablaise, how many years did it take? Okay, so it first went on the bucket list in 1986, I think, which was the first year it was run. And yep. I thought, okay, one day, one day I'm going to do that. And then I took it away. Um, and then it was probably in 2018, I actually decided I was going to do it in 2020. And I think that's when you and I first connected because I, 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 you know, I'd read, or obviously read your great books. Um, and I got on the phone and I said, Hey, I need to have a chat about this. So it's probably to 20, probably 2018 that we first connected. Um, yeah, and what a journey it's been, you know. Yeah, so <laughs> some ups and downs all the way, huh? Far out. Yeah. Some huge ups and downs. Um, yeah, with the uh, so everything was doing to carry on. Everything was ticking yep. along nicely with the training. Yeah, um, and uh, I was doing really well. It was um, October 2019, so less six months out from the marathon to start, which was supposed to be April 2020. Yep, um, training was going so well. I was really good, um, and I went to the doctor because I got a little mole that I wanted to have a look at. So we took that off and we thought nothing of it. Um, I went and uh, fast packed the able Tasman as part of my training. Um, came back, had the stitches out, um, and the results weren't back. Um, and then I got that dreaded phone call from the doctor, like a couple of hours later, saying, "Hey, Hazel, it's it's not good. It's uh, melanoma." 
Um, so it was like, oh shit. And he said, it's not melanoma just in situ. It's, it's pretty deep. Can you come down to the, down to the doctor's practice this afternoon? So I was sat in the car. I remember it so vividly. So I, I answered the phone and it was a withheld number and I thought, oh, I'll answer it. And I just better go for a run. I was in the car. I'd change into my running kit. Yeah, yeah. Like you do. Yeah. All happy. And he said, can you come down this afternoon? So I popped the phone down and I thought, okay, what do I do? I know. I go for my run. (laughs) (laughs) You went anyway. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I did 15 Ks along the base. Oh, wow. In between, bawling my eyes out. Yeah, yeah. What the frick am I in for? This is not this is not in the plan. That was what I kept saying to myself. This is not supposed to be happening, you know. Yeah. I've got the MDS in six months and this is not supposed to be happening. So went went down to the clinic and spoke to the doctor and he got the diagrams out and it, he said it looks like it's probably a stage three. But we wow. won't know. We won't know fully until you go to the specialist. Shit. And thankfully, New Zealand um, health system is really good when it comes to melanoma. Literally, everything happens in two-week blocks. So oh, wow. two weeks after seeing my GP, I was in front of the consultant. Two weeks after that, I was having my operation. So it was, you know, an amazingly quick. Um, and, yeah, it was, a, it was a stage three. So I got a scar from top of my shoulder to under my armpit. Wow. Um, luckily, it hadn't gone into my lymph nodes. Uh, yep. So that was really good. So that meant no further treatment. I didn't need to have a skin graft, which was really good. So the, the surgeon managed to, you know, knit the skin together nicely. Um, but obviously, for me, it was like I've got this scar on my this wound on my shoulder i've got to be carrying a backpack across the bloody desert in six months you know what you know and i'm you know how's that going to work so for me it was negotiating with the surgeon how long i could had to have a rest of running so we negotiated she wanted a month and we got that to two weeks in the end (laughs) i like it (laughs) Um, so it kept me sane being on the cross trainer Listening to Pushing the Limits was how I kept saying all the way through. <laughs> Good girl. <laughs> all of that. Um, Had a deal yeah. with shit medical prognoses. <laughs> yeah, that's right, eh? You know, yeah. so um, so that, that that was all sweet. And the training got back in on track in the December. Um, the January, February, great. And then the world started to go crazy, eh? Then there was yeah. this virus in China. And I started to watch it and I was like, oh, gosh, okay. So kept looking at the numbers thinking oh, okay let's see what's happening in the mds and literally it was it was probably four weeks from the mds and got an email saying the mds had been cancelled yeah it was crashing when you've been training so long eh? I remember yeah exactly like, and you know not kidding it was peak week you know you know what it's yeah. like it was peak uh, week it was like it was yeah. everything was on track you know everything had healed up nicely i was getting the k's in and all the rest of it and then, and then that happened. Um, yeah. And I remember getting a few. I think you phoned me actually, and you and you, apolog- you, yeah. you said, "Commiserations, mate." She yeah. said, "But look, you know, you need to get something. Those legs going. What about yeah. doing the Unity Ultra?" So that's when I, I went down to <laughs> we went down the Unity Ultra track, and then that went also yeah. slightly pear shaped. But you yeah. got to do it, eh? Yeah, there was nine of us that did it, so that was yeah. really good. And that literally was the last event in New Zealand, I think, before the country went into lockdown. Yeah. Yep. It was. Um, yeah, so the NDS had been moved from the April 2020 and they said we'll do it in the September 2020. So it's like, okay, I've got to keep training because it's yeah. like it's Stay still only game. six months ago. I've got to keep on the game. Country was in lockdown. I overtrained, you know. Surprise, uh, <laughs> yeah, surprise. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> overtrained, got a, um, a tendinopathy, hamstring tendinopathy, in, you know, really, really bad. I uh, was feeling really quite despondent. Um, managed to get back on it. Um, and then in the August, they cancelled it for the September. <laughs> for the second time. So cancel, yeah. one cancel, two cancels. Yeah, that's right. And they said, okay, so we're going to move it to um, April 2021. All right. So I said, okay, fine. All right. <laughs> Got to keep training. So <laughs> What's another six months when you've been going yeah. for two years or something? Yeah. So, so because it was like, it was quite a way out, I actually packed all my MDS stuff in a box lease and popped it in the garage and wanted to forget about it for a while. Yes. Because it had been this continual thing yeah. in my head for a yep. couple of years, really, on and off. Um, and then I um, got it out of the garage in the January and then they cancelled the April one in the January. <laughs> <laughs> so, a resilient woman man like at that point I was like Hazel maybe this isn't meant to happen <laughs> you know, yeah, like, yeah. Uh, maybe we just give up on this idea but well, you yeah. were like nah nah we'll just keep going no I mean at every point I could have deferred at any point the NDS yeah. allowed you to defer until 2022 2023 2024 yeah 
but you'll get this. I'd said I was doing the 35th marathon this art. So it didn't matter <laughs> when that was happening, I was doing it. So it was like, no, I'm not deferring. Yep. Um, so January got cancelled and they said, okay, it's going to be October 2021. Um, so by this point, my hamstring was still a bit niggly. I'd been self-coaching and I was feeling really despondent about this. So I reached out to you and Neil and said, hey, guys, you know, I'm bad enough. Yeah, you know, I, yeah. yeah <laughs> I need some motivation. I need some external stuff and I need some help. Um, and that's when you and Neil, we had a chat and we came up with a, a plan. Um, and that's when I signed up for the... Um, uh, the epigenetics, epigenetics as, well. as well yeah, yeah which, which was amazing you know it, which is far out made such a difference to many aspects many many aspects for me understanding the best time to exercise for me mentally yeah. and physically was was a game changer it really it's a really pretty was. amazing program eh? like oh, just, yeah yeah and you know changing. I mean I because I'm an activator <laughs> yeah. and because I like to research everything it took me a while to sign up to it because you gave me books to read you know, yeah yeah for you know about 18 months I think until I finally went okay yeah, yeah now I'm ready. I need to yeah now I'm ready um yeah. and yeah and I found it absolutely amazing to be yeah, honest that, was, that is great because it, it, it does yeah it, it, it just opens up different parts of your life that you 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 know, like what time of the day to train, what type of exercise to be doing, what type of food, you know, all of that sort of aspects that's really just sort of key that you, otherwise you're guessing it and doing what yeah. you think is healthy or right. Yeah. Know, you know, and it's just. Yeah. It's, it's funny, because, cool yeah, I, what I found with the epigenetics was that it, there were things that I thought were my, were, were, were I should be doing because I'd always done them. But that's yep. because I'd had many years in the armed forces and many years nursing. So getting up early and doing stuff was was what I thought my yep. body wanted, but actually yep. no. Yep. You know, the mid afternoon was the best time for me to exercise. Exactly. And yeah, that's a whole different thing, isn't it? The epigenetics. Yeah. But so, that makes yeah. so that makes so much um, difference to your performance levels, you know, and, and what you can actually achieve when you get it when you get the combination right and put your genes in the right environment, then boom. Yeah. Know? So Absolutely. yeah, yeah. Awesome, so, awesome. Yeah, I'm glad so you did that. Yeah. So that's when I signed up to the epigenetics. Obviously I'm still on that at the moment. And I signed up with you and Neil too to coach me through to the MDS. Um, so, yeah, that went on and off because of this tendon. And that's, and that, and that's another thing. That's when I started taking NMN. Our longevity supplement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The aging supplement. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the perfect aminos and all of that sort of stuff. And I think that really helped my hamstring. But, yeah, so then in... In June, I thought, okay, oh, shit, it looks like the MDS is happening. It's actually so, going to happen. Yeah, so it was like, oh, wow, you know. And I, although I kept really focused about it, it was always in the back of my mind, is it going to be cancelled again? Mm. So it was in June that I decided to see if I could secure my place in MIQ, which was so important and so key to me that yep. I, would not have, I would not have gone if I couldn't have done that. So I managed to get a place in MIQ and I booked my flights, um, knowing that the worst thing that had happened is I cancel my flights and I, I lose and the money goes into credit. Um, and then started the process of looking at the logistics of traveling during a pandemic. Wow. And the different COVID, the COVID tests I needed for different legs of my journey and, oh, and all of that. So that was way back in the June. And then in the August, um, the MDS announced that everybody had to be double vaccinated and have a negative uh, uh, COVID test wow. to be on the start line. You're kidding so that was, you know, they said that you had to have that. If you didn't have that, whether you were media, volunteers or competitors, you would not be allowed on the start line. Um, so, yeah, which was fine because I was double vaxxed. Um, and, yeah, so just sorting out the logistics of the, of the um, COVID test. I had to have a COVID test in New Zealand before I got on my plane because I needed it for um, transfer in LA. Mm-hmm. And, and then I needed another one to be able to go out and about in Paris because I went to Paris for four days and then I needed another one to land in Morocco (laughs) and then another one to come home. Um, Yeah. And then obviously face masks everywhere. It was just, it was really, yeah, really weird. Yeah. Yeah. Really, really weird um, to do that. But um, yeah, so landing in Paris um, and spending four days in Paris before I actually um, flew to Morocco was really, was really crucial because it was just time to get rid of the jet lag because you know yes, I did that too actually when I went to the Sahara stayed yeah. in Paris so that was the best part of it <laughs> <laughs> Sahara was tough yeah, Paris yeah. Was awesome. 
absolutely yeah so Paris was quiet it was really bizarre (laughs) yeah Um, yeah and then flew to Morocco on the 1st of October um to um start the marathon de Saab um with the first day running was the 3rd of October 3rd of October okay so now we're we're at we're in Morocco yeah you're going out in the desert because I mean I've, I've done it a couple of times obviously and uh and you 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 you, you, you land in, inland in Morocco, then you have to go do another internal flight, hey? And then you're out on buses and and then in trucks. Did you have to do all of that as well? Yes, we were. They changed the um, airport. We landed in an airport called um, Erechidia, which is only an hour and a half from the first bivouac right. to start. So that was really cool. So we literally because um, I travelled with the French, so I was there really. I was one of the first lot there. Mm-hmm. So we got off the plane. Full people there with full IPE, checking your temperatures. You go into the airport, uh, the masks are all on. You get on the coaches and then traveling to the and um, the first uh, tent area, the first start of the first day, really. Uh, and the atmosphere was really weird, eh? Because mo- most of the people taking part lease were doing it in 2020. Yeah. So we w- we'd all been on this journey together from all these different countries that had all this different variety, different lockdowns. So the the atmosphere on the coach was really quite tense yes. until people saw the iconic black verbatim. Yeah, they actually so was, made it. Yeah. yeah, and then it was like all this chatter and all the different languages and people going, oh, you know, we're, we're here. Look, there's the tents. Um, so it was really bizarre, first of all, being in the middle of the Sahara Desert or on the edge of it in a coach that you then get off and you pull your little travel case along the sands because you've got your case <laughs> got your case with you for the first two days because you can make um i don't know if it changed since you did yep. it you can make last minute decisions about yeah it, yeah 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 we did all that which is really helpful and, yeah yep. which is so helpful eh? yeah um and so got there and found my found my way to my where my tent was i was in tent 60 and i was the first one there and i remember putting my bag down and lying on the carpet looking out to this <laughs> shimmering redness of you know the heat and the sand thinking Holy I'm here. Shit. Yeah, it's here. You know, it's been on the bucket list for you know for 34 years. Wow, so far out, and I couldn't. I had to pinch myself. It was like this is so unreal. You know, really, really. Yeah, it's just this is so cool to be mm. able to hold a goal in your head for that long period of time yeah. with all those ups and downs, and now you're sitting in the Sahara. Yeah, it was, so it was really bizarre. And then, then the rest of my teammate, rest of the tent mates were Brits. Mm-hmm. Um, because normally they put us with the Aussies, but there was no Australians going because of right. the lockdowns. Um, so I'd luckily connected with some of these on Zoom, so I knew what they looked like and knew a bit about them. So, yeah, so there was eight of us in the tent. Um, yeah, um, only six of us by the end of it. Wow. Okay. Yeah, we lost two. Yeah. <clears throat> lost two. Hopefully not mm. lost, lost. But just... No, no, yeah. <laughs> they just, they just overcooked it on the first two days. Yeah, so, you see, the, the first day, like if we go to the first day, you yeah. know, and you're starting out and you're just all ramped up, you're still jet lagged, mm. you're still like sort of like half on, you know, half there, half sort of still travelling. Um, yeah. How, how was the first day for you? Because I remember the first days, and I was only coming from Europe when I was coming, but um, absolute bu- brutal. You know, mm. like the, the first, I always found the first day almost the toughest day. I mean, the long day is probably the toughest yeah. day. But the first day, <laughs> we'll get there. First day is like a shock. The body hasn't been moving for a week, you know, mm. when you've been traveling and getting ready and so on and tapering. How yeah. did you find that first day? Well, because first of all, there was only 672 starters. So that's wow, like half, half the normal normal yeah. field. Eh? And that's yeah. because of people not wanting to risk traveling or their country wouldn't let them or whatever. But there was only yeah. 672 of us starting. Um, so, this, you know, so, yeah, the, the start, the first day, it was all about getting used to the heat. And this was the game plan that yeah. Neil and I came up with. The first three days, I was just going to take it steady get used to the terrain, see what the desert threw at me and just, and just not go off silly. And, and to be fair, I I did that. I found that the terrain was, um, was harder under feet than I thought it was going to be a lot rockier than I thought it was going to be. Um, the heat wasn't, didn't, and the first day didn't feel too bad. Didn't feel too, it was about 45 degrees dry as, but I think I'd expected it to be like that. So mm-hmm. from a point of view, that, that was okay. But what was really, really frustrating me at the end of the first day 
was you know when you you get into that ultra mode when you can yep. go all day long and yep. your brain tells you to stop and you go no shut up it's only a, you know and I'm just going to carry on <laughs> my brain was talking quite loudly and it kept telling me to walk yep so I was like okay I'll walk and then I'll confuse you know and I'll trick you and then I'll start running again <laughs> but it kept telling me to walk and it was like what's going on here and it wasn't until I got back and reflected on it on the first night and I was going, I know, because it's going, no, no, Hazel, you know, you've got another five days of this. Yeah, and, and your brain was right, really. Absolutely. Because oh, you're in this heat too. Like the, the heat, people don't quite understand when you're watching a movie of it or a doco or something like that, you can't feel the absolute oppression oh. of the heat and what it does to your, to your physiology. Like it slows you down. You know, yeah. like when running through Death Valley and I remember someone saying to me after watching the doco, oh, it doesn't look very athletic. And I'm like, you've got no freaking idea, man. Like, you, you can't even walk around the car probably, and I'm running 217 Ks. It, and it yeah. is so like the intensity of the heat just slows the whole body down. Yeah. Your brain is going, I'm going to die if I go any higher, <laughs> yeah. you know, like my temperature yeah. gets up. So your yeah. brain was probably on point, really. Oh, absolutely. It was on point. It was on point. It's funny when you say about the heat, you know, like when you go on holiday somewhere and it's a heat, nice heat that warms your skin up and that yeah. but I find I found the heat in the Sahara it felt like it was warming me up from the inside out yeah. you know yeah. I felt like it was it was so hot yeah, in my is. lungs and, and the first yeah. day I, I to be honest I nearly ran out of water to the first checkpoint <laughs> because because <laughs> I mean I'd, I, no I set off I'd got I'd got um nearly three liters of water for for 13k which you know normally is perfectly fine so like you sip sip munch munch sip sip yeah. munch munch yeah yeah that's one but i was sip sipping too much because it was this dry heat it was drying yep. off my lips yep so yep. i thought i was thirstier than i really was yeah and it wasn't until i got about 2k from the flat from the checkpoint i thought felt my bottles and i thought Shh, oh god they don't feel very full you know they don't i don't got much in there yeah, And then I started to look at how often I was drinking and I was like drinking every 10 minutes rather than like every 15. So it was wow. like, yeah, so it really made me go, okay, so I really need to get dial this in, you know, and get on top of it. Um, yeah, because and- hyponatremia is a thing, you know. I just did an uh, interview with Professor Tim Noakes who, mm. who, who wrote Waterlogged, you know, and how some yeah. athletes can actually over yeah. and die. You know, yeah. you can die from over, over That's drinking. That's right. Yeah, yeah, it's that balance, eh? Yep. Because one of the days I drank 13 litres. Holy shit. Really? That's insane. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and you I, weren't waterlogged? You weren't? No. No. So wow. what was funny, so I drank 13 litres. This was on the second day, which was the June day, and I drank 13 litres and taken my salt tablets, and I only had two peas during the day. Sure. And it wasn't until I got back to camp at night and then I'm lying there and, and then the osmosis happens. Hey, your body goes, okay, let's distribute yep. all this water around to where it's supposed to be. And then, and then I needed lots of peas in the night. But um, yeah, my muscles were really lucky. plump with yeah. water. Yeah, yeah, but you're I felt probably fine. yeah. You didn't yeah get over yeah hyponatremia. No, because yeah, we were only allowed nine liters a day when we were doing it. So you yeah. did you have no limit on the on the water? They up, so at the end of the first day because it was quite hot and because yeah. we then there was this Moroccan heat wave coming through. Yeah, because so day two and day three were fifty five point six degrees. Mm. Out in the, yeah, so they because of the lack of water, because of the the heat and people drinking more, they gave more. They they gave us more. Yeah. Um, because the people that dropped out were normal were due to um, I think um, hype hyperthermia. Yeah. Too hot. Yeah. Too hot, <laughs> and you die. Yeah. Yeah. Bad. Yeah. And yeah, I picked up a bit of gastro because the, the sanitation they weren't so good on the sanitation, and de- you know dehydration and mm-hmm. cramps yep. was the biggest thing. I mean. Um, checkpoint one on day two was like walking into an army field ambulance hospital, yeah. which well, there were drips everywhere. Wow. You know, there were people wow. holding their own drips. Um, yep. It was so hot um, and people who had just not adjusted their plan. Yeah, and, and, and it is. I mean, when it's your first time and even when it's your 10th time to be honest you can get it so wrong so easily because you doesn't take much of a shift when you get your water out of whack or your electrolytes out of whack yeah. i remember on the was it the the second marathon de sables yeah the second time i did it and i ended up having an infusion after the long day yeah but they just kept pumping me full like they didn't because they were so busy, you know, changing people's infusions, they just kept changing mine, and I didn't know to stop. No. And I ended up like five kilos of water 
extra on my body that I wasn't meant to have. So hyper nutrition was like, yeah, I when I know about now, <laughs> and and uh, and I didn't lose it the next two days either. So I was, I actually remember coming out of the Sahara looking like the Michelin Man, eh? like <laughs> I could blow. And um, wow. the doctors weighed me at the end, and um, I'd put on five kilos while running the Sahara and I'm going, well, that's really shit, isn't it? You know, like, what the hell? Um, and then he said, well, this is fluid. So they gave me diuretics. And then for the yeah. the next uh, 24 hours, pretty much every 20 minutes, I had a full bladder. It was just, yeah. just came pouring out. Mm. These are all the things that you don't really uh, know about, eh? And if you have, because no. I, I was given seven bloody bottles of, of, wow, of, gosh. of fluids, you know, and I just, you know. Yeah, yeah, all right, all right. That was fun. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, the person died on the. We had somebody die on the second day. So, yeah. So, what happened there? So, the second day is called June Day, and that's the day that we did thirteen kilometers through the Mazuga Dunes, which are the tallest, biggest dunes in the Sahara. So, there's a checkpoint at the beginning of them. There's a checkpoint at the end. But all the way through, you're never really alone because there's the helicopter whizzing around, and there's and four by fours and sand dune buggies, et cetera. So we didn't find out until we all got back to camp and it was after dinner, about seven o'clock, Patrick, the organizer, wanted to see everybody in the center bivouac area um, to tell us that um, Pierre, who was a 53-year-old French mm. ultra runner, had passed away in the June. Mm. So Shit. he part way through. 13 kilometers. Yeah, so On halfway through. Yeah, so it was th- this was the 13Ks, middle 13Ks of a 33K Wow. Yeah, yeah. So this was just the bit where you're in the middle of these big dunes. So he'd he'd um, collapsed. Luckily, there was two medics, two doctors running at the MDS as well that were behind him. So they managed to start work on him and set off his SOS on his uh, tracker. And the helicopter came and picked him up and they worked on him for 45 minutes. But unfortunately, he just passed. Uh-huh. cardiac episode so not not something you had before because they check all our ecgs on day the technical day anyway so yeah. nothing had, nothing was shown on his ecg it was just a wow. cardiac episode because of the heat the heat um, and nose you know yeah so he passed um and somebody else had a cardiac arrest but they got that person revived and went to hospital yeah um, he had two cardiac arrests I, you know yeah. i had to I wonder if it's anything to do with the vaccines, actually. Yeah, because yeah. there's been a lot of athletes dropping dead from. <clears throat> yeah. Well, yeah, that's another big discussion. Yeah. Don't know, no. but it can be the heat too. But um, we had one, and like when we were in the Gobi Desert, we lost mm. um, Nicholas, and that was on day three, and that was only a 36k stage as well. Mm-hmm. Like it wasn't even the longest stage, but it, when when you had this extreme, because we had extreme heat on that day, and we mm. were in the sand dunes, and then we were in slot canyons, and the slot yeah. canyons just magnified the heat because you had the heat coming from both sides as well as mm. being sort of like a like a magnified <laughs> glass. Yeah. And uh, and he, yeah, he was inexperienced and you know not taking on enough water, and you know. Um, and he, he passed away too, and he was only um, 30, I think, 30, mm. 30, 31 or something like that. Yeah. Ridiculous. Um, so, you know, these are the dangers, you know? Uh, yeah, and it, you know, and it's an ultra runner, you know, and, and there are dangers that come with it. And so when Patrick was telling us all this, um, there was that obviously that, yeah. that really tense and really somber vibe within the group and that almost that um, bit of a wake-up call, I think, for some people that, mm. you know, this is this is real, you know, because um, it was – you know, 55 point whatever degrees. It was the same the next day as well. Wow. Um, so when we started off on the third day, when we did a minute silence for Pierre and then his tent mates were set off when we all walked the first 100 metres in, um, yeah, in, in remembrance of him really, which was yeah, yeah. really sombre and really, yeah, a really fitting thing to do. Um, yeah, so that was day, that was, that was the start of day three. Um and day day three was the day I I felt a bit poorly when I got back to camp. It was a funny old day for me. I, I was on top of everything. I dialed everything in and I had a really strict routine at the checkpoints, which was so crucial. Um, but when I got back to camp, I felt just a bit hot, you know, and I just felt slightly nauseous, just not quite 100%. So I managed to force down my recovery shake, um, but it wasn't, it wasn't going to go down no. <laughs> easily, you know, because... <laughs> It was hard. Digestion just goes. Oh, yeah. It was like, no, nah, not a chance. And I went and sent my email 
and, and my email home and I went and got my feet sorted and I went back to the tent and I said, I'm going to just go to, I just need to go to bed. Um, and I went to bed and I wake up about two o'clock and I had really bad gastro pain. And I thought, oh, because a few people had, had been picked up some gastro bug mm-hmm. as well. Mm. Um, you know, <laughs> on top uh, of the running, on top of the running, <laughs> when it happens, <laughs> exactly, exactly. You can imagine the mm. the sounds in the camp. You know, people mm. were retching and oh, it was awful. Yeah. So I remember <laughs> I woke up and I thought, oh, I hope I sort myself out because it's the double day next. You know, yeah, it was like eight whatever. It's a big one, yeah, yeah. And um, I thought, okay, you've only had like probably two hundred calories since you finished running. You, you need to have some breakfast in the morning. So. I, I purposely woke up earlier than the rest of the tent to try and force some food down because I knew it wasn't going to be easy. And there was no chance. I couldn't get anything in. Yep. So I really had this dilemma, Lisa, about going on the start line because it was like, how, you know, what happens if I crash in the middle of the desert? You know, how irresponsible is that for me? You know, and although I set a a target of coming fifth in the age group, and at this point I was sixth in the age group. So I had this, you know, 20 year old hazel on the shoulder going you know you gotta, yeah, yeah. You gotta do it but then but the sensible ones going actually i don't know if i can you know um and my partner had given me notes to open at the end of every day oh, and i lovely. and i hadn't opened <clears throat> the night before because i've been pulling so i opened up the note i thought i oh, know i'll read my notes so i opened up the note this is like 6 a.m and the note said okay so it's a double day today you know and it'll be what it'll be um and don't be afraid to reach out for help she said because you would help anybody else you know you would you would be there to support anybody so you know so I thought okay so two of the tent mates who had been quite friendly with a married couple I said hey because I knew they were walking walking and running most of the dawn a day and I said hey I don't think I'm going to make it on my own I really I'm really concerned that you know can I come with you guys and they said absolutely yeah that's the best thing to do on the long day far out so yeah we just we just the three of us we just worked together all the way through the long day we made Made a pact not we didn't want to sleep because some people stop no, and sleep. No, we were like, nah, let's just no. keep just keep on going, keep yeah. on going. It's and fun. I think we stopped for one 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 checkpoint at about six just before we went up the up the mountain up the Jebel. We stopped for twenty minutes, and yeah. I said, I'm going to close my eyes, and I can I can sleep like that. I said, I'm just going to close my eyes for fifteen minutes, and I had a sleep, and then off we went. Brilliant. Um, but uh, and. It, I think it was when we came down from there, they said to me, you go on, you're fine now, go on and, you know, do it. And I said, no, nah, we, we started together, you know, yep. we, we finished together. It's, it's brilliant. It, Isn't yeah, that lovely, it's, that camaraderie sometimes oh, that you, yeah. you discover. And, and it just draws you together, right? Eh, you know, yeah. just that. When you've experienced you go like, you know, like over the, the second half, because, you know, like doing 80 plus Ks, is a freaking mission and it's going to take all day and all night or half the night depending on how fast Mm. you're going just interrupting the program briefly to let you know that we have a new patron program for the podcast now if you enjoy pushing the limits if you get great value out of it we would love you to come and join our patron membership program we've been doing this now for five and a half years and we need your help to keep it on air it's been a public service free for everybody and we want to keep it that way but to do that we need like-minded souls who are on this mission with us to help us out so if you're interested in becoming a patron Patron for Pushing the Limits podcast, then check out everything on patron.lisatamati.com. That's P-A-T-R-O-N dot lisatamati.com. We have two patron levels to choose from. You can do it for as little as $7 a month, New Zealand, or $15 a month if you really want to support us. So we, we are grateful if you do. There are so many membership benefits you're going to get if you join us. Everything from workbooks for all the podcasts, the strength guide for runners, uh, the power to vote on future episodes, uh, webinars that we're going to be holding, all of my documentaries, and much, much more. So check out all the details, patron.lisatamati.com, and thanks very much for joining us. How did you find, you know, once you start getting over that 50K sort of zone when you're really starting to hurt? What's, how, how did yeah. you go? So, so it's funny, eh? So for me, when I got over the 50K, I got a second wind. Right. I was like, all righty. So, so, yeah, we were just chatting and keeping each other going. We played the silly games like you do, like, you know, top three adventure films or, you know, yeah, top yeah, three yeah. books. Just keeping, keeping each other going. Because in the night in the Sahara Desert, 
yeah. you know it's like it, it's, it's scary me it's, yeah it's scary because <laughs> there's no there's no noise eh? and it's and it's vast but it's oppressive at the same time yeah. and it's yeah. it's a really weird feeling and although we had um glow sticks on us sometimes you couldn't see a glow stick ahead of you to follow and it's oh, like yeah. are we are we going the right way yeah, you know? yeah. so yeah pretty scary for that mm-hmm. um and we were coming in and the sun sun was just starting to come up so i finished we finished at 6 a.m just before wow. 6 a.m so oh, tw- it took 21 hours and 21 minutes Brilliant. to do it and i was like we, we were you could see the last the finish point for like i don't know three bloody k you know and i said to ali and kim i said we've got to run the last 200 meters we've got to you know be running that last bit in yeah. Um, cause Kim's back was sore with her pack. She was really suffering a little bit. Um, but yeah, the three of us managed to run in that last, last little bit. And we Amazing. Were, just as the sun's coming up in the Sahara, it was, it was pretty special. Yeah. It is. It's mm. just, it's just so amazing. And to get through that long day, cause the whole time, I know the first three days, you're sort of like, Oh yeah, but the, it hasn't started yet. <laughs> the, the real day is day four, and that's when we, you know, and you, you get you know people dying already on day two, and you're like, yeah, <laughs> what the yeah. hell's going to happen? I remember being in the Gobi Desert, and you know, Nicholas was still alive at that stage, but he was in a coma, and and this was day three, and and it was extreme heat, so it was fifty mm-hmm. plus degrees in, in this in this place as well, and we're all facing the next day a hundred and eleven kilometers, and it was meant to be a hundred, but it ended up one hundred eleven because they miscalculated. That was brilliant, for, by the way, and and he just absolutely, I remember like because you know filming because I was doing a doco, so doing a diary cam and just actually crying my eyes out and just yeah. going. How the hell am I going to get through this? Yeah. I have no idea how I'm going to get through. And we were going through something called the Turpan Depression, which was really the hottest, you know, second hottest place on earth behind Death Valley. Mm. And uh, it was just, just terrifying. Just, just, just going. Everybody in the camps just going. How the hell are we going to survive? And it was, you know, it took it took me till two o'clock in the morning. So we, yeah, we we did it pretty fast. I was doing it with Sam Gash. And we ended up doing it in what was that, 19 hours or something like that. Can't remember the, the exact. And the last 36 Ks were in sand dunes. So that was just brutal in the brutal. middle of the night. And you could <laughs> and we got lost as well. You got no, because we had no, there's only 200 runners in this race. And so you mm. spread out for miles. And we are going through some villages before the sand dunes. We got completely lost in there. <clears throat> and then um, you got, you know, people and dangerous to mm. hang around in the bloody desert um but the, the sand dunes were just just because it was pitch black and did you have a time where you're in the sand dunes in the night and you're just like yeah. crashing into the sand because you can't <laughs> anything you know you don't know where to put your feet you don't know how yeah. to get up it because when you're when, during the day you can pick a line right you yeah. can pick sort of a, a line to to go up and down but in the night you just yeah done yeah yeah, no, it was interesting that, like you say, you could pick a line during the day. You got used yeah. to what sand you could go on without sinking. Yes. And then where you actually had to find somebody else's footsteps to, yes. to go up. Um, yeah, it was very, <laughs> inter- very interesting. But in the night, you're like, oh. You know, you just like you say, yeah, it's more of sand. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh shit, that's the that's the do. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, so to finish the double day was really good because then you go just a marathon. You know, <laughs> it's just a marathon. Just a marathon to go, and then there's the what we call the solidarity, the the charity stage. Um, so, but so, so by the time we got to the the marathon day, I think we were down to we were down to something like three hundred and holy just just three hundred and eighty ninety people. Wow, so in the so end, that's like forty five percent or something of the of yeah. the high. Wow, that's in massive. The end, in the end, three, only 351 of us completed it. Jeez. Yeah, and um, there was 130, 135 women started, only 70 finished. Wow. Man, yeah, that's it was insane. 50% dropout. So it was really – it was it – was, The heat yeah. must have been something else. The heat the heat was something else. And, and people – on a good year, the Marathon de Saab in April, I think that the temperatures are not too bad. And if you're a solid marathon runner and you've done a few back-to-backs, 
you'll do it, you'll complete it really reasonably well. But if you add the temperatures and you add the fact that we've been in lockdown, so people's immune systems, I think, were compromised because people have not been mixing as much, mm-hmm. then, you know, and then you've got to make smarter decisions. And I think yeah. that if your longest distance you've done is a marathon, you haven't got the skill set of an ultra runner who's oh, used no. to changing, changing our plan on the run, literally, eh? you know, you yep. go off for a, you know, a, an 80K or 100K, you're changing your plan continually, depending on how your body feels and the terrain, et cetera. So you've got that skill. Yep. And I think that because, because the temperature was so high, you had to adapt to your plan and you had to be confident in your decision-making, you know? And I think that, that some people just hadn't got that skill because they'd not been used to not, it in the yeah, training. Yeah, and they've been sort of, yeah, if you've been in lockdown and not been able to do what you were planning to do and go to the yeah. places that you were planning to go to and, and, and yeah, and the whole fear thing, because fear, mm. I think when you're, when you're faced with fear for long periods of time too, you that that, that hits your stress levels, hit, hit your immune system and your ability yeah. to, to cope when it, it, you know, and this is, you know, one of the issues I have now, like let's stop scaremongering people because yeah. that's going to kill them faster than anything else. Yeah, absolutely. We, yeah. Need to be, we need to be really, really strong. So that's yeah. a hell of a dropout rate. That's way more than most ultramarathons. You know, like yeah. usually you've got a 20 to 30% dropout rate. Yeah. Not a 50% dropout. No. That's yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, the MDS is normally 5%, I think, when you look back on previous years. Wow. And, you know, they, there's people who tried to blame the organization so you get there were some people in some of the countries were saying when they got back that it was hot and they should have cancelled it it's a sahara desert yeah <laughs> you can't i mean you can't blame them for the freaking weather you go to the sahara you get what you're given as far yeah. as it's concerned yeah. not the organizers no. you know? and also you know it's, it's 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 it was called the legendary 30 math and Desire for a reason okay and Yes, it's a so it's a self-sufficient, you know this. Yes. So therefore, don't don't rely on the medical team all the time. It's self-sufficient. So I just, for me, I just really struggled with some people's mentality on the fact that they felt that the organisation let them down. Whereas I, at no point did I feel unsafe. At no point did I feel the organisation weren't looking after me. You know, yeah. you know they were they were very clear at the start of every day. Don't forget your salt tablets. Put your sunscreen on drink the water that's given to you and listen to your body, you know? Um, yeah. So I just yeah. find that it's yeah pretty rough that some people were trying to blame the organization. Yeah. And, and they've been doing it for a long, 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 long time. Like they know yeah. this stuff, you know, yeah. other organizations, not so much. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. When we ran across Niger, which was a 333k nonstop, like that's massive in the, in the most, one of the most dangerous, poorest countries on earth called Niger. And it's, um, we had 17 runners and, and the organization was non-existent. Like wow. we didn't have enough water. There weren't enough tents. There weren't enough. There was nothing. Yeah. <laughs> we had no food. So we ended up having <laughs> local food and it was meant to come with them, right? Because oh, you're yeah. in the place where there's no food anyway. Um, that was the organization. <laughs> that was yeah. a shocker. That was yeah. a shocker. They just took our yeah. money basically and ran. <laughs> um, but I know the marathon sublets is super well organized. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, you know, you, yeah. Yeah. It's 30, 36 years, I think, he's been going. So, yeah. Um, but yeah. So, at the end of the marathon day, a great achievement to come across and get given the medal by Patrick and, shake wow. his hand and go yes we, you know he's uh, still abs- doing it man the same that's crazy yeah, I thought he was giving crazy. up the ghost spot, yeah no no <laughs> so and they get back to, wait till everybody else got back and get back to the tent um the tent was a big part of it you know the living living that basic lifestyle for like 10 days yeah. and sleeping on a carpet on your you know your, in your sleeping bag or whatever and just the camaraderie of us all you know as i say it was unfortunately only six of us left um by the end but we were you know so tight and look after each other and just um just those basic needs eh? you know you just want yeah. food you want to feel supported and loved you know and yep. and, and all of that yeah yeah <laughs> it is yeah. Eh? and that's the beautiful thing i think about uh, doing this type of thing you it, it completely changes your perspective again you know, or gives you a bit of a wake-up call you know because we live in these you know houses and showers and kitchens and 
running water and mm. all of that sort of stuff. And then all of a sudden, you know, it's not easy. And you're just suddenly like without all of that stuff. And then you're on your own. And, and it is a cleansing in a way. I found yeah. it very cleansing and very much a humbling experience because you 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 know that nature is stronger than you, you know, and you're there by the grace of whatever, God, yeah. nature, yeah. <laughs> whatever you believe in, you know, that you, you're going to come through. And it really makes you grateful for what you have when you come home, like that first shower you have, that first, like the sheets, clean sheets in your bed, and a bed, you know, <laughs> food, real food, you know, all, all of these things just, just like, ah. Oh. Yeah. yeah something said to be to be said about the simple life though you know Absolutely. and I def- definitely missed that <laughs> when you first get back and yep. I find it really overwhelming being along um with other people and the yes. noise and you know it took a long time to to come that to come right I think so, yeah uh, how did you transition back so you get back and you've got it you're in MIQ for two whole weeks that, that would drive me absolute bonkers I reckon I, I don't know if I'd survive that <laughs> <laughs> I think I'd rather run the Sahara than live two weeks in the MIQ you know and, and and then the sun you know you've gone through this big emotional upheaval this massive change this life-changing experience mm. how did you come back into life then and find your way back to your to your relationship and your, yeah. your business and things like that. I'm still doing it, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, it's, it's the first two, the first night when you're in the hotel, you go back to a hotel and you have a shower and everything is really good. And then it was really busy and that was too much for me. Mm-hmm. And the two weeks in MIQ, I really enjoyed. So first of all, I had a spin cycle delivered on day one. <laughs> Because you didn't do enough exercise. <laughs> no, because I, I knew, like you just said, I wouldn't have survived if it had been two weeks of not being able to do any exercise. Walking yeah. around in circles on a little exercise yard ain't going to do it for me. So oh. it was like, okay, I'll get, I don't want to, tra- I hate treadmills. I'll get a spin bike because it's different. It's different movement to my legs, et cetera. So that was, for that side was really cool. And it gave me chance, it gave me chance to, start to process. Yes. So I, I started to, I got messages sent from people all over the world that I didn't know because every night you got messages printed off and brought around to you, which was amazing. And I sat and started to read through those and I started to process each and every day that I'd been through in the desert. And, you wow. know, and it was really, yeah, it was, it was, it was really hard to unpack it all sometimes, you know, because it just was traumatic, you know, it really yeah, it was, was at times, <laughs> really was. And then, and then I remember the, the day before I left MIQ feeling, oh, you know, I'm going back into the real world now. And I, you know, and although I was excited to be coming home, the thought of interacting in the real wider world was quite overwhelming. Yes. Yeah. Totally. It really was loose. It was like really, yeah. really overwhelming. And, you know, for the first couple of weeks, I didn't really want to do much. And then obviously everybody wants to talk to me about the MDS. Mm-hmm. Everybody wants to talk to me. And, and, and you're unpacking it again, yep. which is good in some ways because it's cathartic. And then in other ways, you also want to let it just be, yes. you know, and just, and just soak and absorb, yeah. you know. Just go, oh, what the um, hell happened? Yeah, <laughs> that's right. And I, th- I, think I've been, I think I've been home now six weeks, something like that. Wow. So it's fine. The first, and then for a couple of weeks, I felt fine. And then, and then, and then I'd have a wobble. And I can't mm-hmm. explain it. It would be like everything was just too much or yep. something was missing and well, the thing that's missing is that for two and a half years the only goal. thing I've been thinking about and obsessing about and every run I've done and every holiday I've been on and everything I've thought is about being the MDS and how how am I going to do in the MDS and what's it going to be like and reliving the, and, you, and you know what it's like and then now it's like it's all, all right gone. it's all gone <laughs> Which is a double-edged sword, you know. The good part is I'm sleeping 10 hours a night, which I've never done because I've not got a a thought that pops into my head about the MDS. (laughs) But also it's that feeling, I don't know. I used to say I'm Hazel, I'm running the marathon disarm in 2020. Yeah, it's your identity. So what am I now? You know, so it's like, what am I? You know, and so going through (laughs) that, going through that, you know, yes, I'm still an ultra runner. I'm still Hazel. I'm still a business Hell yeah. Yeah. But it's about, yeah, for me, it's just finding something that sits and I just feel yeah. like something's missing. Yeah. But yeah. also, but <laughs> It'll also, be a while I don't, yet, Hazel. yeah. And I don't want to sign up. I'm not going to sign up for another big, hairy, scary goal 
Like, I, I've got I've got another one in twelve months, but in this it's about <laughs> just just contradicting yourself. Yeah, you? but not but not not now, you know, not in the next six months. Yeah, it's yeah, twelve yeah. months away, which is yeah. which is a long time in in as in a runner, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah, it is when you when you've lost your big goal because this yeah. is what we tend to do, right? We do these big mm. things. You're emotionally all over the show, and then you come back and you go, you know, at the, at the start you're like, I'm never doing that again. That was just yeah. a moment, and then you're like. I've got nothing to, I've got nothing yeah. to focus on dive into the next project and I actually think that that so what you're doing and not diving straight into this mm. next project is really important yeah because you need to be able to because when you do get to the you know like when you finish it like I've stopped doing ultra marathons you know and we all know why mum and yeah. life have gotten yeah. away and and my health um then you that transition is even more brutal, you know, yeah. because I was doing like back to back to back for basically 20 plus years doing yeah. one of these races somewhere, you know, and that has left a massive hole that I've filled with cancer research and yeah. <laughs> business yeah. building, and, yeah. uh, brain injury research and, <laughs> you know, all the stuff that I do now, but it's still very much, it's still, uh, you know, it, I remember the first couple of years I was like, if I'm not an ultra runner, who the hell am I? And I'm I'm nothing, and I'm nobody. Yeah. You know that all that inner self talk. And you, we're old enough, you and I, to go. Yeah. That's not quite true. Come on, but <laughs> but you yeah. have your moments, eh? You have Absolutely, your yeah, yeah. And it creeps up on you, eh? You know, yeah, yeah. 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 So mm-hmm. so I, I mean, what I am doing is I'm writing a book, which is oh, brilliant. <laughs> yeah, which uh, you know about well, that'll about, be a mission enough. Yeah, about what we've just you know about the journey really about marvelous, which is which is yeah, which has been good and it's been cathartic and all the rest of it. Um, so that's my project from that point of view, which right. so still keeps the MDS alive a little bit. Um, um, which is really when you, if you need help with the book, let me know because yeah, I've done I will. it. Both ways, <laughs> yeah. with publishers without pub, uh, yeah. self-published. Uh, I can sort yeah. of pretty much tell you every pitfall there is to find. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Liz. <laughs> and that is an ultra marathon in itself. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. that's that's going to be great when that comes out then, mm. you know, and it's just, it is a really cathartic process. Yes. And it's something that you've, when you do a book, it's just, it sort of closes the chapter on things, like it's yeah. it, in, in a good way. Not mm. like it's all past in history, but like I got to, oh, I've actually done something and I've stuck it in a book. And, you know, it's just that inner, ah, oh, I did yeah. that, you know? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. You know, you can actually. And it doesn't matter if all the only people that read it are my family and friends, you know, no. it's the process of getting it out there, I think, you know. Yep. It um, is. Which is really important. Yeah. No, I really encourage it because it is very cathartic in that whole writing process mm. and it helps you go through what you've been through because like yeah. you said this is a traumatic experience in a lot of ways yeah and you know and you've had such a long run up to it and you know the cancer journey in the middle of it you know mm. all of that trauma in a short period of time now needs to be worked through really yeah yeah exactly exactly because with the you know with the, the melanoma it's I'm still on three monthly checks and I was all the way through so it's it's like are they going to find something that's going to yes. then not let me do the MDS you know yes. so I'm gonna, you know yeah. Living yes. in that state of fear, you know. Hate that, it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm living like that with mum, you know, now yeah. with lymphoma. And um, just if I can interrupt, like a briefly, she's, because yeah. uh, people are sort of catching up at this point. So we're in December. So this will come yeah. out a bit later. But um, we've just had an MRI done prior to the chemo as a baseline. Yeah. To, and, and I've been doing intravenous vitamin C, massive high doses, hyperbaric oxygen therapy. I've been following Jane McClellan's cancer, how to starve cancer protocol, yeah. a combination of off label drugs, 100 different supplements, like a, seriously, 100 different pills a day. And that's while I'm waiting for conventional to get their ass yeah. in the gear and do something, which took a long time in my case. Um, we just got the MRI back and the, the tumors have all shrunk and gone. There's only two <sighs> tiny spots left. And this wow. is what I saw like was meant to be terminal very, very fast. Yeah. Right? Wow. So I don't, yeah, but again, like this is early days and I'm not like letting up anytime soon. Right. And we've added, <laughs> still adding the, the chemo in as well because um, yeah. we need that that part of the puzzle as well. Yeah. But it's just like, wow. 
because I've had three doctors in the last month tell me that she's terminal and she's not going to, you know, and giving her the the standard of care, which is um, high-dose methotrexate, would probably kill her. And so I've been on this mission to find what can I give her, and so doing all this other stuff, and now finding a couple of chemo um, and immunotherapy drugs to put into the mix that aren't as toxic. Um, and, and just going hard out, you know, like, but you're living this constant, you know, where you wake up in the middle of the night and there's this turmoil of, Mm. of, 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 you know, that research that, and you start mixing it up in your head. And like, I, Mm. you know, I've spent like thousands of hours already in in the last three months, but the doctors are now saying, how the hell did you do that? How the hell did you shrink those tumors? And I'm like, well, I've got a very, I've got an amazing team of doctors around me. Yeah, you know, so, so when you're when you're faced with something like this, in, in you know, doing ultra marathons, it's the same process in a way. Absolutely, yeah, it's different. Yeah. But you're, like you're researching and stuff, Absolutely. but you just got to go, 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 go. You got to stay focused. You got to go through the ups and the downs, and you yeah. just got to keep going. And then you get people telling you it's off and it's not happening, or you're dying, or whatever. You know, <laughs> yeah. and you got to ride all that out, and you just like, keep yeah. keep focused, stay. Hey? Yeah, and I think yeah, I think that's part of the why it's taken so long to recover from it is because it was sustained for such a long period of time. Yeah. Lisa. you know the the mental the mental resilience, the physical resilience, the trying to keep focused and trying to find events to run to, yeah, you know, to, to, to keep me mo- yeah, to get there was really tough as well. But so to, yeah, so to, to actually be able to do it and to finish it was amazing. But then it's like, yeah, it's like, yeah, it's just whole, just whole, it's weird, I, you know, yeah. I, I think you're amazing because it, you, you have this incredible determination and focus to do what you set out to do, to finish the job that needs to be finished, no matter how long things take. And this resilience to ride through these ups and downs. And I just think you're an absolutely amazing person and role model. And, you know, you're a couple of years ahead of me in age. And you know, <laughs> that, again, is another, like, for me, like, well, that's a good role model too because, I mean, you mm. look amazing. You look like 20 years younger than you are, <laughs> you know. Um, so obviously you're doing something right and mm. you, you're, you're really experiencing your life and you're really living it, you know, with the, with all that comes with it, you know. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I just had um, Hayes, you know, husband's, he was training for the hundred miler, I know, you know, yeah. and that got pulled out from under him, and and he hasn't found his mojo back, you know. He's he's, um, you know, and then we've had COVID come along and all the dramas yeah. that this has bought and job losses and and uh, starting new businesses, but and so his running's just you know, and I'm hoping yeah. that he can pick it up within you know in a few months' time and get back on that bandwagon, yeah, because you still haven't ticked that box, yeah, I wanted to tick the hundred mile box. Yeah, and, you know, you only need to do it once, you know. That's you right. Yeah. It. And it was so close, like weeks yeah. away, like you, and yeah. it really, really crushes you, eh, a little bit. It does, yeah, it does. And I think that's why when it was after the third cancellation, I had to put everything away, my yep. box of MDS stuff away. And for, for literally a month, I just ran for the joy of running mm. and bring that joy back in and did whatever I felt like doing and then sort of reset myself and went, okay, now, okay, now focus and now get on with the job you've got to do. And I think it's just, you have just to reset, eh? You've just got to find that 100-miler yep. that ticks the box for him, and then you can, and then you, you know. Go on. You, and you, yeah. this is the thing, you don't need to keep going, Hazel. No. You don't need to do one after the other after the other. No. And, you know, listen, this is where I went wrong. I didn't listen to my body. I was like bulletproof and go harder and, you know, go more and more and more until my body said absolutely that's enough yeah. and don't, I don't want people to get to that point you know no and I think that's why the running hot um the coaching is the about for me is my mindset anyway don't do junk miles you know yeah 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 gone are the day gone are the days when we used to think that we had to do 90k a week to you know yeah. to be an ultra runner in our training yeah, it's a load of right. rubbish you know yeah. it's a load of rubbish <laughs> you know you just got to have good quality kilometers and a and every run has got to have a purpose, eh? you yep. know, and whether it's the speeds or it's the hills or it's working on your endurance, yep. you know, and I think your otherwise, training and your yeah, mobility otherwise, work. Yep. Otherwise, it, it's a treadmill, eh? And yep. I think, and as we get older, we can't, our body can't take all that. I don't need to be doing all those Ks in training. 
and no, I, you don't. I mean, I just had Professor Tim Noakes on the podcast, and mm. uh, he, he's like the running, you know, guru god who wrote the Bible, <laughs> the, the law of running, and he too said. Yeah, I used to think we could just keep running huge miles and now not so much, you know, now that I'm 70 <laughs> and I've actually worked it out more and done more science, uh, less is more, you know, you can still go and do those ultras and you build up to them, but you don't need to be doing these yeah. huge mileage and, you know, and I got hit and he said I got all the nutrition wrong back in the early days with the high carbs, now it's high fats, low carbs, you know. <laughs> um, that was a really interesting conversation. So yeah, you have to listen, listen to that, that one. one. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Hazel, you've been absolutely amazing today. And um, I just want to congratulate you on being such a hard ass hanging in there <laughs> through all the highs and lows. I, I, I think your book will be fascinating. I'm looking forward to reading that book. Thanks, Lisa. And um, I, I think that you are such a role model for people. I'd love you to do more in the public eye. I think you, you are such a powerful woman um, and a good role model for, for so many um, and so keep sharing your story, getting it out there because it's really got some important messages on it, I think. So thanks so much for being on the show today, Hazel. Uh, so thanks, Lisa. Thanks for having me and thanks for being <laughs> such a good mate. <laughs> Anytime, mate. And um, where can people, if, want, if they want to reach out to you, want to eventually read your book, um, yeah. where can they do that? So I've got a Facebook page called Run Hazel Run. Yep. And um, I've got a, um, a website called Hazel. Um, it's called Your Dot Sidekick. I'll put the links through to you, Lisa, and you can put them on the notes. Okay, brilliant. Okay, and if anyone needs Sweet. a dog looked after, you're the, you're the lady <laughs> for that as well. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> All right, cheers, Lisa. That's it this week for Pushing the Limits. Be sure to rate, review, and share with your friends. And head over and visit Lisa and her team at lisatarmaty.com. 